Hello and welcome to episode two of Take These Songs, a podcast about music lovers and the songs that they are committed to. My name is Madalano Martin. I'm the host and creator of this podcast. In addition to that, I'm also a stand-up comedian. That's what I do for a living. That's my day job. It's actually it's actually more of a night job. That's when it usually takes place. But you get the idea. That's what I do for a living. Is I'm a stand-up comedian, but I'm also a lifelong musician and music fan. And it's from that love of music that this podcast comes from. I'm so excited by how excited everyone else seems to be about the podcast. We dropped the first episode a few days ago, and the response has been amazing. I feel like we've really struck a chord, no pun intended, uh, with the premise of this podcast, the structure of it, if you will. If you are new to the podcast, if you're jumping in on episode two and did not catch the last episode, I, I implore you to go back and check it out. Mike Adams was a fantastic first guest, kind of set the template, if you will, on uh, how to do it. Uh, not that it's a contest, and everyone will bring their own flavor, I'm sure, but it's a really phenomenal episode of the podcast, and I highly recommend you go back and check it out. But if you are new for right now to bring you up to speed, what happens on this podcast is guests bring four songs that they love, four songs that fall under the categories of something old, something new, something borrowed, and something blue. Something old is any song that is at least 25 years old. Something new is a song that was released within the last year. Something borrowed is a cover. And something blue is any song that the guest has a strong emotional response to. We have an amazing guest for this episode, but before I get to that, I do want to let you know I do have some bills to pay, so I do want to tell you about an upcoming comedy show that I have. Hopefully some of you can make it out, and hopefully you're also into comedy. It's 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 also a great art form, just like music, and, uh, you know, come out, watch me do some jokes, and then if you want to hang out and talk music afterwards, we can definitely do that. But to let you know, February 24th, that is a Thursday night, I'll be headlining Helium in Indianapolis, Indiana. It's my first time headlining that club, going to be in the big room, it's going to be very exciting, be great if fans of the podcast came out. If we sold out the show, that would be amazing, or at least had a respectable showing. That would also be great. But February 24th, I will be at Helium in Indianapolis, Indiana. Uh, tickets are on sale on their website and also on my website. We'll have the websites listed in the show notes if you want to check that out. That's it. I don't want to make the podcast really about me. I do want to get some promo out there, but really this podcast is about the guests and the songs that they've selected. And what a guest we have for this episode. My old friend William Elliot Whitmore is one of the greatest American singer-songwriters. He's been around for quite a while now, putting out records on Anti, putting out records on Bloodshot, putting out independently released records. Will blurs the line of post-war blues, Americana, roots, country. He's just a singular force in songwriting, and I love him so much. We've known each other for a very long time. We've toured together. Uh, we've partied together in our younger partying days. And we go way back, and I was so excited that he was excited to do the podcast. I know I keep saying the words excited during this intro, but it's exciting times here. We're launching a new podcast. People are excited. I'm excited. Will was excited, and I think you're going to be excited to hear his selections. And why hesitate? Let's get to it right now. Episode 2 of Take These Songs with William Elliot Whitmore. The old song I want to talk about is called George's Playhouse Boogie, and it's by Maddox Brothers and Rose, recorded in 1949. And the reason I want to talk about it is because people have pointed to this as an early 
example of what would become rockabilly or rock and roll. And I'm always interested in things like that, the building blocks of music. But it's really hard to say what is the first of any kind of music because everything just builds on what came before. But this is a good example of, of a sound, a particular sound in a particular place that really it was the seeds of what would become rockabilly and rock and roll just a few years later. There's a real hot spot on the Waterloo Road. Got a hillbilly band called Madison Road. Georgie's Playhouse, so the story goes, where they play a boogie-boogie that'll wiggle your toes. Pull off the shoes and what a sight when they do the boogie-boogie on a Friday night. And uh, Maddox Brothers and Rose were from Alabama. Their family moved to California in the early 30s, ahead of that wave of, of uh, what people would refer to as Okies, which is a disparaging term, actually. It's not a nice thing to call someone. But they were a little before that wave of people. And like so many people, they were looking for work. You know, going to California to pick fruit or vegetables or just find work of any kind. And that was hard going, as you can imagine, so the kids started playing music and maybe trying to find a way to make a living at that. And there was five brothers and, of course, Rose. It was uh, Fred was on bass. They had Cal and Cliff on guitars. And a little later, Don joined on fiddle and Henry joined on mandolin. And they became Maddox brothers with Rose. And, of course, you have Rose up front with her distinctive style uh, you know, influencing people like Wanda Jackson years later. Um, she didn't sound like anyone else. To me, it was really unique vocal style because she had to keep up with this barn burner of a band. And so she developed this style that was almost like punk rock in its way. She was a good singer. She could hit the right notes, but she wasn't Patsy Cline or Kitty Wells. She was just a, a whirlwind in her own way. She had that distinct laugh that she would do in a lot of their songs, a high-pitched giggle, much like uh, it, it reminded me of um, Bob Wills and his Texas Playboys. Bob Wills would do his, ah <laughs> That was his, just his little uh, reoccurring tick that he would do. Well, Rose had her high-pitched giggle that was sort of her calling card. Well, you turn to the left and you pull in the drive. Get you a ticket and you go inside. Grab your partner and start to jive. Everybody round you hollers, man alive. You never did see such a sight in your life at George's Playhouse on a Friday night. The rest of the guys uh, would kind of vamp in between the instrumental solos, especially on this song. And it just sounds like it's something that they started doing at live shows because they, they played a lot. They, they burnt up the road. And so they were just a well-oiled machine by the time it was time to go in the studio and cut this song. So a lot of these little improv things they're saying sound like they were developed on the road as just ways to have fun with each other. Like one of them says, uh, friendly Henry, the working girl's friend. 
talking about Brother Henry on the mandolin. And somebody says, Stop it, I can't stand it. It's driving me sane. They just say stuff in between the instrumental solos. The song starts with a great little guitar lick. It's either Cow or Cliff um, playing electric guitars. Uh, they had to play electric because they had to cut through the din of a, a crowded uh, honky-tonk, you know. So that, that became a style in music. Plugging that guitar in, you had to be loud to play on the road. And so it starts with that guitar lick and then it, then it kicks in and you got Fred slapping that bass, keeping the rhythm going. No drums, of course. You know, the only backbeat is whoever's chicken along on either a guitar or mandolin. And no drums. And as I say, it just sounds like they went in the studio as a, as a machine and just probably cut the song in one or two takes. You know, all together in one room and just had a blast. I mean, it just sounds like they're just having fun. And they're all really good players, too. It's just that idea of taking what you learned in Alabama with some, some country music, bringing it west to California, and um, speeding it up a little, bringing that western swing in there. You know, even their dress uh, uh, reflected the attitude. I mean, they were wearing their, uh, you know, shiny cowboy suits, and they just really played the part to the nines, and... All the ingredients of this band just added up to something really special. When you put Rose up there uh, up front, it just it just made it such a unique, cool thing. The new song I've been digging a lot lately is called Pierced Arrows, and it's by Hooray for the Riff Raff. And Hooray for the Riff Raff is the brainchild of Alinda Lee Sagara. She first came on my radar about a decade ago, and I was immediately struck with her songwriting. She just writes really good songs, and her voice can deliver those songs. I mean, most of us hope to have one of those things, but... She can actually write a good song and sing it well, which most of us struggle to do. But uh, this song is a little different than what I first came to know her as. Uh, she, for lack of a better word, she started off as a little more rootsy, um, Americana. No one likes these descriptors, really, but... Um, it's just a way to sort of say, yeah, she just had a different, more like acoustic style. Trying to avoid running into my ex on Broadway. No one recognizes me anymore, girl, I'm lonely. Vampires and thieves, someone will bleed with it. This song is almost electro pop uh, it's 
got a really dancey rhythm. It's really synth-driven. She's got this great opening line, trying to avoid running into my ex on Broadway. That's just a strong opening line, and uh, that just tells a little story right there with just that one line. Um, and the chorus, it, 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 the whole thing is in this minor key. It's this pulsating synth-driven minor key, but then the chorus lifts up into this major key, and she says, Pierced arrows from the sky fall through me every time. Hey, that's no way to die. Get high from turpentine. And I, I just love that, that left turn it takes on that last line. Get high from turpentine. It's just a very evocative image. Uh, turpentine itself, is, it's just a great word. You know, I, I like when lyrics can take that left turn when they can bring you somewhere unexpected. She's really good at that, actually, and uh, this song is another example of that. I, I like how she just does whatever the hell she wants. It seems like she's not stuck in any genre or anything. She just does what she wants and pretty heroic. And I also like how the feel of the song could get a whole party dancing. I could just imagine dancing to this with all your friends at a, at a party. It's just got a really good rhythm. But the lyrics are not about getting the party started. The lyrics have their own meaning um, that mean something to her that would mean something different to everyone probably that hears it, but uh, they're heartbreaking in a way. That's the feeling I get in a beautiful way. And I, I just, I love that combination of get the party started music, but those those brilliant heartbreaking lyrics and again that's 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 her one of many arrows in her quiver you know one of the many tools in her in her toolbox so to speak but, um, I, I just like that combination video itself is really uh, amazing too. Her imagery and art uh, that she surrounds herself with is always really interesting. And she clearly surrounds herself with creative people and her friends. And it just seems like they just have a good time making these things. But the video is really striking as well. 
it's just a really good song and it's something I've been enjoying lately. And I like that it's, it's a lot different than what I know her as, but it's still uh, just her great lyric writing, her great singing. The song is arranged really well. It's recorded really well. And it just makes me happy to hear. So, Pierced Arrows by Hooray for the Riff Raff. Hey everyone, Matt here again at the halfway point of the podcast. I hope that you're enjoying Will's selections and his thoughts about those songs, his something old, his something new, as much as I am. I just want to take a quick moment to let you know that Will is actually on tour this month. You can go see him live and in person playing his own songs, which I highly recommend because they're fantastic. He is in Denver, February 17th and 18th. He is in Manitou Springs, Colorado on the 19th. Wichita, Kansas on February 20th. Oklahoma City after that on the 22nd. Later dates in the month in Austin, Houston, Denton, Texas, Little Rock, Arkansas, and then Iowa City, heading back home to Iowa the very beginning of March. You can get details on all of these shows at his website, WilliamElliottWhitmore.com. One more quick thing before we return to Will's final two selections for the podcast. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Postcard Elba. Postcard Elba is an eclectic music blog for people who still enjoy that sort of thing. Five days a week, Postcard Elba is posting brand new music, celebrating the under-celebrated, the under-the-radar New songs that you probably haven't heard yet from artists that will soon be your favorites. PostcardAlba.com. Check it out today. Okay, ad read is done. The tour dates have been promoted. Let's get back to the podcast and Will's selections for Something Borrowed and Something Blue. wasn't God Who Made Honky Tonk Angels by Dolly Parton. And it was originally done by Kitty Wells, the great Kitty Wells, back in 1952, uh, written by a guy named J.D. Miller. And the song is particularly interesting to me because it's an answer song of sorts, a rebuttal to another song called Wild Side of Life by Hank Thompson. And a lot of people have covered that song too, but Hank Thompson had the big hit with it. And uh, it's a song, a stereotypical lament about a, a, a man led astray and any, any cheating or wrongdoing on, on his part was really a woman's fault because she tempted him and she just led him astray and, and was a temptress and, and all of that poor man. So this song serves to be the woman's point of view on that. And Kitty Wells had a hit with it in 1952. And it was controversial enough, apparently, that uh, they didn't let her play it on the Grand Ole Opry, which is really unfortunate and really awful for her at that time. That would have been a big deal to do that. And, uh, it just, it's upsetting to think about the stodgy old gatekeepers at the Grand Ole Opry uh, dictating what's moral and what's right in music. And, and uh, it just, it's upsetting. And it, 
pisses you off, actually. That would have been a nice opportunity for her, but to me it means she was doing something right. She wasn't afraid to record that song and piss some people off, and uh, I think that means she was doing something right. So Dolly Parton doing this song uh, on a record called Hits Made Famous by Country Queens. And I think that one came out in 63. So the original came out in 52. Dolly's comes out in 63. She's paying homage to, to her influences, to, her, to her, um, her favorites and people that she grew up listening to. And she really sells this song. She really gives it her all, as she does all the time. No surprise there. Uh, you know, she does it as only Dolly can. It's a shame that all the blame is on us women. It's not true that only you men feel the same. But I just love that it's this rebuttal to that other song, you know, and it even makes reference, you know, it wasn't God who made honky-tonk angels, as you said in the words of your song. Too many times married men think they're still single. It has caused many a good girl to go wrong. You know, that that's addressing a lot there, and just, just some simple lyrics. That's really addressing a lot. Um, and so I like that... Dolly delivers this and she keeps pretty close to the original arrangement, which I think is a good idea. It's got that great double fiddle solo and, and uh, hell, it might've even been some of the same players that played on the original. I mean, that's how it worked. A lot of those guys played on all that stuff. It might be some of the same people, but when Dolly sings it, you can really feel it. And uh, who would know more about how difficult it is to come up through the industry as a woman than, uh, you know, Dolly would know a lot about that. So I think it's special that she decided to do this song on that coverage record. And, and uh, she gives it her all as she always does. So we got something old, something new, something borrowed, and now the something blue I want to talk about is a song called Elk City by Samantha Crane. And I've known Samantha for a long time and toured with her a few times, and uh, I've just always been amazed and in awe of her songwriting and singing. She's another person that can write a brilliant song and deliver it wholeheartedly. And when I first met her in, back in 2009, I think it was, I was struck by how fully formed 
she seemed to be. Uh, she just right out of the gate was just there and ready and, and just hitting the ground running. I mean, uh, she had a lot under her belt even at that time, but I just was struck by how pro she was, just consistently good every night. She had a band with her at that time uh, called the Midnight Shivers, and uh, they just were good every night, and her songs were strong and are strong. Um, so I've, I, I can call Samantha a friend, and I really am just a big admirer of what she does. This song called Elk City is a is a perfect song. I mean, it's what it's what we're all trying to do. It's just so so nice and so brilliant. And I think if I think I'm right that she actually has met the person that this song is about. I think this was inspired by a real person she met, maybe in a bar. I'm not sure, um, but she wove this song out of a out of a real story she heard, I, I'm pretty sure. And uh, it, it sounds like it. I mean, it's just one of those real slice of life songs that is, is just so well done. Uh, it's off a record called Under Branch and Thorn and Tree. It came out in 2015. And so the lyrics of this song, I want to focus on the, the lyrics here for for a little bit because uh, it's got this great, great arrangement, really great finger picking guitar intro. And, and, you know, the, the first minute or so is, is her finger picking, which she's great at. Uh, and then the string arrangements come in. It's really great, great string arrangement, but you know, basically the song is about a woman trying to get out of a town and she just can't seem to get out of Elk City and, you know, came to Elk City when she was 17, when I came to this place in a boyfriend's cult wagon on the 40 interstate. He told me we'd be rich, get on at the GHK company, that the Andarco Basin's where you wanted to be. We pitched a tent in the park, it's all we could do. Weren't no rooms anywhere. I hoped that job would come through. said just one more night can you give it one more night she's she's hitching her wagon to this to this guy and it doesn't work out you know, and so the, the kind of the refrain is, he said, just one more night. Can you give me just one more night? And it's just, can, can we, can we hold on for a little bit more, you know? And of course, of course he can, he, he, he has to split for reasons unknown to her and to everyone. So the next lyrics are, he got out of that town when the boom turned to bust, 
didn't say where he went, never told any of us. So that guy split. So here she is. She, she almost gets out of town. She almost moves to Dallas with her best friend, Kathleen. And uh, the next lyric is, uh, but I met a guy at the Longhorn. He said he could fix my washing machine. It's a nice uh, bit of innuendo there. He said he could fix my washing machine. And uh, <laughs> that's not me inferring that. She has said that on stage. But I met a guy at the Longhorn. He said he could fix my washing machine. How's tomorrow night? Yeah, tomorrow So, okay, is this, is this going to work out? Wow. She gets pregnant. She goes on to say, That night turned into nine months, sitting on my ass, waiting for a baby, my first and my last. Ugh. Heartbreaking. Heartbreaking. Okay, so he's, so this, so he's gone. That guy's gone as well, and here she is. And uh, so now... Here, you know, here, here's the end, and she, the baby's all grown up now, got into college and everything. So she beat her mama out of that town, out of Elk City. So two men have left. Now her daughter has grown up, and she has gone. And it's just heartbreaking. It's just perfectly heartbreaking. Um, you, can, you can just feel it. You know, we all can, can feel that. You know, that's who hasn't wanted to get out of where they are at some point she just captures it so well and, you know then i can only stand one more night just one more well, night that night turned into nine months sitting on my ass waiting for a baby my first and my last and she's all grown up now got in So she beat her mom out of that town, out of Elk City. Oh, it's a it's a killer, and it's just one of those songs I can file under. I wish I wrote that. There's so many songs by great songwriters that I love. Stephen Merritt or Jason Molina or, uh, you know, any, any number of great songwriters. John Darnielle and Samantha Crane is right there. And I just wish I wrote this one. But it's a great sounding song, too. Uh, the whole record sounds good. I think it was done at uh, a studio called Tiny Telephone in San Francisco, which is a great studio. I had the fortune of visiting that place one time. Great, great studio. So... The whole record just sounds beautiful, and uh, this song does too. I mean, she could have recorded it on a voice memo on her phone, and it would still just be beautiful. So um, hats off to Samantha Crane. The song is called Elk City.
Episode 2 of Take These Songs in the Books. Thanks for killing it, Will. I appreciate you doing the podcast. I miss you, buddy. Hopefully we'll get to see each other soon. You can see Will, as I mentioned earlier, very soon, as in right now. He is on tour, and I highly recommend you get out there and check out one of his live shows. It's a special thing. All the dates can be found at WilliamElliottWhitmore.com. Check out the dates. You can also check out his discography, pick up a few things. Again, highly recommended. He's an amazing songwriter and performer. And, Will, I appreciate it so much that you came on and did the podcast. You killed it, buddy. And... uh it means a lot to me that you did it. I think it means a lot to all of us. I think I can speak for the, the listeners as well. I think they, they also appreciate it very much, man. Thank you, everybody, for listening to this episode of the podcast. Please, 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 we are a brand new podcast. This is very important. If you can subscribe, review, like, share it. Share it on the, all your social medias. Let other people know about it if you enjoyed this episode. That is a huge thing for us. That is so big. I would really appreciate it. And uh, the more people that listen, the more we can uh, keep doing it, everybody, the more sustainable it will become. So we'll continue to bring you great guests sharing their insights into the songs that uh, have affected them on a very deep level, which I think is a special thing. And hopefully you do, too. Take These Songs was created and produced by Matt Alano Martin. That's me. And our theme music is by Go to Space Die. You can pick up their new release, Red Air Don't Care, on Bandcamp today. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll be back next week with a brand new episode. And until then, may you find music to have and to hold.